0: hey everyone welcome back to the difference maker podcast i'm your host matthew calderoni and today we've got a very special guest um somebody that i consider to be pretty self-made in a lot of this and he's going to share his story here but jonathan asario a player right now for toronto fc he's come a really really long way in his career and he is by far one of the best examples i've seen of resilience for the last little bit that we've been doing this so oh so what's going on man appreciate you coming on brother
1: yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, everything's good, man. How's everything?
0: We're doing good, man. You know, staying uh, staying pretty normal with, with all this abnormalcy going on. But thankfully, we're coming out, you know, to the tail end of all of it, right? I mean, sports, all these announcements that we're coming back, which is great. Um, especially just for, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, your sport too in, in the MLS, the league that you're in specifically. We'll get into some stuff with that today. But um, yeah, man, I mean, it's... It's awesome, dude. Just seeing that everybody finally coming back, some some normalcies happening, which I think was super important for, you know, not just athletes, but the world. I mean, I I don't know about you, but, you know, when when the NBA really announced that things were shutting down, I think that's kind of when the world was like, holy crap, like what's going on? And now finally, mm-hmm. that we have some, some of that coming back. You know, it's just, it's good, man. It, it's healthy for everything. So I'm glad you're on here, man. I'm glad you made it through this entire... You know, craziness happening, but um, just to give us some some understanding, dude, like, what have you been up to, really? I guess during this entire break, if you will.
1: Yeah, so just probably like you know, most athletes, uh, I think the big thing was, I think the hardest thing was when this all started. We had you know there was a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty to as to when we when we would be back and when you know when when things would go back to normal when we could go back to training. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, it was, you know, during all this was to keep training, to keep the same mentality and, and to adapt, right. You got to adapt to, you know, to the resources that you have. I ended up going back home to be with my family, um, which was really nice. Uh, got to spend a lot of quality time with them that usually, uh, you know, I haven't gotten to, haven't gotten in the last few years. And then, um. You know, I kept training every day, running outside and keeping fit. And then, yeah. you know, the our club did a our club did a good job of, you know, giving us programs and we were connecting online and doing workouts together. That was good. But, you know, there there was a time, of course, I think for everybody during this when, you know, the the mental part of things was would get tough. You know, you you would get tired of things. And for me, I think it was about. It took a while actually. I was pretty good for the first month, and then after that. There was about maybe a week or two where it was tough, you know, it was tough getting up every day and and, and, and motivating yourself to, you know, be ready. And sometimes, you know, you had to just, you know, create illusions, you know, yeah. and tell yourself, oh, maybe Saturday we're going to have a game or something. And that's what we're running for. That's what we're working now for. Um so yeah, just honestly through all this, been been training, keeping on it. Um, watching a lot of documentaries, man. Obviously we are we're all blessed with the last dance and I think that was great. That was great for everybody. And I've been watching a, a lot of stuff with all the stuff that's happening, you know, educating myself on on you know, on, on society and all the things that are happening today. So it's it's been all right.
0: Well, man, that's a big thing, too, right? Like, well, I want to get into a lot of it, actually, that you that you just touched on um, a little bit later on, because it's all about leading with resilience, right? Like, we'll dive into that in a bit, um, but you brought up some good points, man. Just the ability right now for people to make this a time to grow instead of a time to just pan off and do their own thing, um, it's, man, that that's a game changer for a lot of people, right? Because a lot of people could have seen this as a time to reload, or a lot of people could have seen yes. this as a time to, you know, kind of check out and and really just do something, almost nothing at times. And, you know, thankfully, you're not one of those athletes that decided to do that. But hey, man, there was a lot of great resources that came out during this time. You know, the whole thing on the last dance, it was a great one even to look at, too. Um, just kind of seeing how MJ actually did it, getting an understanding of what it really took to make it, man. Like, I think that was a big eye-opener for a lot of these athletes and understanding what it really meant. Um, you know, we always talk about the balance that has to happen there too, right? Because it's not that everybody has to be like MJ. He did it his own way, uh, but it's all about finding a way or making a way at the end of the day with all of this. So no, man, mm-hmm. I think that's uh, that's a that's a really big key kind of learning point with all of this that's happening, especially for the young athletes that are tuning in. It's just what it is right now. Like it's not just, you know, the pros or the youth that aren't able to find a way. It's everybody right now that has to adapt. So we're all in it together, really. But you know what, man? Before we dive into this, let's pivot for a sec. So share the story about Jonathan Asario, man. Tell us tell us where it also came from. Tell us just about the upbringing, dude. Because you know what? I'll be honest with you. When I first got to know you, um, I think that was by far one of the most appealing things for me um, to speak with a person like yourself, to understand you know, what you're about, have you on the show even. I think it was pretty cool, man, just the way you've kind of found ways to make it happen instead of waited for ways for it to happen. And that ability to Mm -hmm. adopt is something you carry with you today, even to to Toronto FC. So just give us the background, man.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, I grew up with uh, my parents are immigrants from Colombia, uh, immigrated here um, when they were younger. Um, So I was born in Toronto. Uh, We lived there for probably the first six years of my of my uh, my life. Mm-hmm. um you know I grew up in a family uh you know we were a middle lower class uh family you know I had parents that worked very very hard to put a roof over my head every day and put a, a meal in front of in front of my face every day so hard-working parents I you know blessed to have a very good um very good examples mm-hmm. of, of hard-working people people that You know, will do anything for the love of their children. So I had that good example growing up. And then, you know, I grew up in kind of um, playing in like a Latin community, um, you know, with other people, other kids actually just like me and and living in a situation like me. uh, Mm -hmm. um, So that hardened me, I think that hardened me and that South American culture was was instilled in me from a very young age. And that's how I, you know, I grew to love football and then you know i moved out to um to brampton uh in another area that you know looks i would say looks very nice but uh had you know it had tough people it had tough people and, and honestly man i think uh you know i'm I'm grateful for that to be honest i'm really grateful for that because that made me who i am today and uh i had to work for everything you know work for everything with you know Proof, you know, my friends and yeah. and competing and you know all that stuff. Um, that's how it was. And then so, just a little bit about my story, I guess, of how I got to TFC. I just, you know, that's from hard work, man. Because I think I, I wasn't like a big prospect or anything as a kid. You know, I, I had everybody saw I had a lot of skill, and you know, maybe the skill was special, but never I had athleticism like like my peers, and yeah. that was always that was always something that i had to uh you know work around and find a way to to find you know to make my mark on the games so coaches never really rated me very high i luckily got the opportunity to go to uruguay uruguay changed my life did it like my my vision my passion for for football the way of life the way i see other kids living and then the way i had to live you know all the beautiful stuff that we have here living in a first world country you know it's not like down there and so i had to work for everything and i think that's the biggest thing that i that i learned for me yeah, just earning everything and man so grateful for that because i think you know that's when i've told you the story when i decided to come back myself i left over there to come and put myself to tfc didn't happen right away uh, but i didn't give up and within a year man i found myself in there and and then everything happened really fast and i signed for tfc and now you know i'm just trying to be an example for kids i think that's my that's my biggest thing right now is opening the door for others and showing because i don't think there's really been someone um like me that's been able to make it at home mm-hmm. has chosen to make it at home and stay here and be and and, and be consistent so right. I hope I've just you know opened that door for for maybe others that that may want to take that. Role. I love it.
0: Um, I want to dive into a couple of things there because you mentioned a lot of stuff. I wanna I wanna go all the way back to the whole um, childhood part to it, man. So the community toughened you, it hardened you. Um, tell me about that, man. Like tell tell everybody about that because you know what I think that's a big one that a lot of people don't understand is having that challenge and help and and how it helps you grow. Um, why it's super important to have people like we hear about all these stories. For example, I know Lionel Messi is an amazing example. Like everybody talks about raw talent, right? And, um, you know, I I kind of I don't think that it's it's, you know, whatever your belief is or religion is, that's fine. But I don't think anybody has God given talent. I think we all have the ability to be great at things that we want to work at. I mean, I look at Lionel Messi and his story to go back on it, like I was saying eight hours a day in the streets of Argentina at times where he was playing against his older brother and losing a lot. Um, which is, it's funny now when you look at the retrospect and how it is now, he's somebody that wins a lot. And he's somebody that's almost mm-hmm. being that older brother to his teammates. Um, that ability to, to get hardened by that, like, tell me a bit about that for yourself, man. Like where you took, I guess, kind of similar paths to building your own skill versus what you weren't given. Like you said, you weren't the athletic guy. Um, you found a way, yeah. made a way give us some ideas about that
1: yeah so i mean being in the community that i was you know but by no means am i saying was it like a a poor community or anything but it was was tough man like you needed to have thick skin for sure and um you know i grew around kids that came from you know different kinds of families different backgrounds and it was amazing it was amazing to be exposed to that stuff so a lot of that stuff you know you take different things from everybody um and try to instill that to yourself um there's a big you know there there was huge competitiveness in my area where I grew up huge a lot of soccer players came out from come out from you know my area and and from Brampton and my area specifically in Brampton was just I don't know a huge hub for soccer players and it was always you know you were going to school and all you're hearing in the chat is oh this guy did this this guy did that and You know, I always, I was a pretty shy kid. Mm -hmm. So for for me, my, my way to make my mark or my way to talk Mm -hmm. was what I did on the field. Right. And for people to talk about me like that. So that was my way of standing out. And I wanted to stand out. I I knew I was a shy kid, so I couldn't really stand out talking and being funny and whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So for me, it was on the field and on the field is when I felt most, you know. Um, most outgoing, I guess, to, to put it in that perspective. And, um, so I got to express myself and, um, so yeah. And then when I got to 14 years old and I learned how important on this, this side of the, of the world, the physical part of the game, Mm -hmm. I said, okay, that's, I have the, I have the skill. I should focus more, give, put more of my energy into my physicality. Right. Cause that's gonna give me the edge then, right? That that catches me up to everybody. Exactly. So I worked hard on that for like, I, uh, for like three years, and then in three years, I was fitter than most people. I was strong now, and I was growing into my body. And and that's I think that's when I was about 17, 16, 17 years old. Is when I really started to improve and 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 elevate my game. And it was just you know it was realizing mm-hmm. what was gonna take me to the next level. What I was missing, and committing to it and I committed to it a hundred percent and, and, you know, it, it didn't, it didn't show right away. It wasn't something that was like, Oh, I started training. And then right. the next week I was, right. you know, I was a physical gift. No, <laughs> that took, you know, three years of, of training really hard. And then that, that caught me up to people and because catching me, catching up to people mm-hmm. allowed me to, to really shine because my skill was already at a, on another level. Yeah. And and now I've taken that throughout my career, you know, something to improve on every year. That's what I try to do. I was gonna ask you about that. So
0: two things right there that I love what you just said. Um so that community ultimately, what I'm what I'm getting from you. So you got two parents that were hard workers. So they taught you that ability to basically get it done, get it stuck in and shut up, take what you have pretty much. If it's there, yeah, it's your opportunity to take. Um but there's two things that I really saw you built from that self-awareness and commitment to what you're doing. The self-awareness to have the understanding that where you're currently at isn't good enough and the commitment to understand that it's going to be friggin' hard to get there, but you can do it. Um, Mm -hmm. Two things it sounds like that community brought out of you. Tell me something, because we're going to talk about how that's helped you innovate to get into where you are with Toronto FC today. But if you didn't have that community, because there's this big argument right now that, you know, we've talked about even before you and I about how the mental game is something that you learn from your environment or it's something you can work with a coach on to help you get there. How important was that environment for you to basically bring that mental part out of what you had to do, like the challenge, the competitiveness that was there? Like how how in depth did it take you on that, man? Like, was it something that really pushed you past your comfort zones or what?
1: Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. And I think I think what really, really hardened me mentally and pushing out of like I think uh, my community growing up here in the GTA Mm -hmm. uh, it prepared me. It prepared me mentally for what I was about to go through when I went to Uruguay. And right. Uruguay was, a real, it was the real was the real test.
0: Okay, so that was the real mental let's test. Let's push that then. So get take me into that. So we have that transitionary moment. Um, tell mm-hmm. me about it.
1: So I get to Uruguay, and, and you know, um, I I, I, really, I know a little bit about the country. You know, I I know it's it's a third world country. It's not. Um, it's not like canada the, these kids aren't blessed with the things that you know these people aren't, aren't blessed with the opportunities that we have here um so i know i'm gonna have to fight for my spot but you know it was a really eye-opener when i go in and, and i'm and they put us in the residence basically it's a residence for all the kids in the academy that live too far to commute every day to training mm-hmm. so they have the best players they take they scout the best players in the whole country to come play for the club and they put them in this housing it's a big house and I'm in this dorm in this residence and I'm sharing a room with three other kids and they see me, a Canadian. And the first thing they think, the first thing they say, this, this fucking guy, I don't know if I'm allowed to say <laughs> this fucking him. guy, cool. this fucking guy, this Canadian is coming to take my spot. And this guy already has, they, they just assume this guy has the greatest life. He's rich. He's over there in Canada and he's coming here to take my spot. No, nah, no. Nah, nah. So the first month was tough. You gotta earn your respect.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: you you're not giving it here. I think in Canada we're such nice people, and, and in a, in a good way, it's right. a good thing. But we're so welcoming to new people and everything. You know, w- the reality is in the world, this is not the way. Like this is this is just here. We're blessed to have this here. Absolutely. And the rest of the world, it's a doggy dog world. That's the real world, and that's when I learned. That's when I went in there and I saw how people looked at me. I'm like, okay. This is, this is not going to be easy. This is, this is a challenge and something I was up for. And then I remember the first day uh, I, my mom got me before I went like a, a I don't want a laptop, not, right. not, it wasn't a, it wasn't a Mac or anything like that, but it was a laptop. So I can, you know, communicate with, with uh, my family back home. I remember the first time I took it out, all these kids looked at it and was like, Whoa. And that put a target on my back. Right. And I said, Oh, I said, oh, man, this is a big mistake. Big mistake. (laughs) I put my laptop back in my bag and never took it out for the rest of the time. I I used their computer.
0: You got this pretty boy from Toronto then who's coming. Yeah. And he's got his laptop. He's a small guy. And he's taking a laptop out now and puts a target on his back immediately.
1: Unfucking real
0: I like that. Very good shit. Okay, cool. So, So, and then we're going through it. So take me more through that story. Keep going.
1: No, and then... um, you know, and uh, I realized, you know, to earn your stripes there, especially, uh, I wouldn't say in the country, but more in the house, mm-hmm. you're full of soccer players, right? So to earn your stripes, you just show that you're up to their level and you're a good player. And and so every day on the field, that that that's what my, you know, the first couple of weeks was just, you know, earning people's respect so I can live in that house more comfortably, you know, more I can enjoy myself, not, not have a, you know, not having to look over my shoulder all the time. And, um... Yeah, it was tough, man. It was tough in the beginning because these kids, like, you know, they 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 steal some of your stuff in the beginning, and, and not not really to steal, you know, to actually keep your stuff, but more they steal it and they try to get a reaction from you, yeah. to see how you. Yeah. Yeah. It's their method, so Yeah, yeah, exactly, man, and and so all those things I was learning and then once I showed myself the first couple of weeks they started to see in the first month they saw okay this guy's a good player I, I like this guy let's get to know him now let's get to know him as a guy and so they gave me that chance and from there man a great yeah. experience was, was there so ever much.
0: like a point in time there where you were just like okay I'm in like did you have that moment that you just knew yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I remember it was one training I I uh, I was getting I was adapting now I was I had adapted to the style of play there. I've been more comfortable. i am more comfortable now being away. Like I'm not—I'm not thinking about. Oh, I miss my family, my friends. I'm young, you know. I'm some—I'm 17 at this point, and um, I've gotten over that. Now I'm just focused on what I came here to do and what I sacrificed for to come here for. And so I'm getting more comfortable in training. And I remember one training, I was on it. I was really yeah. on it. Really, really on it. And I remember coming back home, uh, um, the guys my age were telling everybody else in the household, oh, "Sorry, oh, like, oh, so was really good today. This guy is, you know, he, he's a baller, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody started to look at me. The kids started to respect me, look up to me, talk to me more. Um, and I remember that day, like, it was tomorrow. The next day, man, from there, from that point on, it was it was cool man it was a good experience and you realize that these people you know are really nice people they just you know they come from a background of of fighting you know they're fighting for their spot and we all know we're fighting for maybe one spot between whatever yeah. thousands of of kids but maybe five kids yeah. in the in the in the house and it's just the reality you know it's competition but once they respect you out of out of off the field man they're they're great people and it's just about earning your respect i think there there I learned that you have to earn everything you get. Nothing yeah. nothing is good. Nothing.
0: And you know what, man, that's it's an interesting point you bring that up because I think this is something we don't realize in North America. Like North America we're almost we're not forced to say like, oh yeah, you know what, also if you're on my team, like, yeah, man, you're cool, you're on my team, like do the thing that you have to do here. Um it's funny because like like I played I got to have the opportunity to go overseas a little bit with my football and career for a very brief time. But man, it's like, you know, it's almost like in the South American side, in the European side, like the hazing portion, if you will, or that, you know, people stealing your shit, whatever it might be. It's almost like that's part of the team's test to see if you can withstand it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Here we're kind of taught to, like, like you said, like respect everyone and so on. And that's a great property that we have here in North America for sure. But I think a lot of people have to realize like that's that is part of the game when you do go over to a different country and you are trying to be the guy that makes it over there. Like even even for females, man, it's like it's tough as hell because that initiation piece, I think, is actually more part of the game than people think. And it's not like it's something crazy that they're going to hurt you physically. They don't ever do anything like that. Um, Will they go hard on you in training? For sure they will. That's that's part of competition um but when we're talking about the little mind fucks kind of thing where it is like stealing some of your stuff man, stealing food sometimes even i know some guys that we work with overseas man that had to make their own way and people like take their pasta that they bought for example and it's normal right it's just kind of part of the game um but you know Mm -hmm. it's something that too you see like i can totally see where your bravado comes from a lot of the time too when you play personally like we've talked about this before where it's it's part of your upbringing and it's something that you needed in order to get to that next level and it's something that I feel a lot of young athletes should go to if they have the opportunity to you know it shapes you it shapes you as a person
1: you know yeah yeah for yeah. sure for sure man and uh it, it, it was it was a blessing for me you know I got to experience that and yeah. and, and I got the opportunity to go so um you know like, like you said everybody everybody has their way right of learning and has their own path Mm-hmm. and this was my path, and I think i I what, I what I would say is that I embraced my path maybe um the right way, and that's yep. what's led me to you know be able to have some success over my career and and maybe i guess be in the spot that I am now yeah man and so
0: bring us up to that then so this whole idea let's go back to the two things we talked about self or sorry self awareness and commitment um Dude, how's that allowed you to innovate at TFC like from those roots pretty much? Because it all stems from where you were there. Let's talk about how you've transitioned Mm -hmm. your game because you were somebody that didn't just walk into TFC. And when I say walk, I mean that, you know, figuratively, right? Like you didn't just have a path you got into, you had to make a way. Talk about innovation, man, because we say it all the time, right? The key to to success in anything is just constant innovation. Tell us how you kind of brought that out, dude.
1: Yeah, so it's just, you know, that self-awareness, knowing that you know, I, I think so. My self-aware that self-awareness was really important for me. Yeah. To, to to really, you know, figure out. Um, because some people have you know an 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 unrealistic idea of themselves sometimes, and that makes things a little bit more complicated. But I was very lucky that I knew how, I knew how good I was. I knew what was possible, and I knew, you know, how far to push myself, and you know, and, and all those things. So. When I came back to TFC, or when I was trying to get in, you know, they weren't letting me in, and I didn't let myself get down. I said, "No, no, no." Like, what do you mean? I had no, a gut I'm feeling. The, basically, I tried. I asked for a trial. I went through an agent okay. first to okay. to get to get a trial, <clears throat> and the agent comes back to me and says, "They said no." And then you know, I said, "Okay," to the agent. No problem. Can you get me somewhere then? Because I just closed the door in Uruguay. Because you told me you were going to get me a child for TFC. You couldn't do it, no problem. Get me somewhere now. You need to get me somewhere because I can't go back to Uruguay. For sure. Yeah, he goes, hey, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to help you, blah, blah, blah. He ended up not helping me. He probably had his reasons and got really busy, something. But, you know, I was desperate at the time. Man. I was desperate. I was 19, and, and I closed the door on Uruguay. Such a good opportunity. and I turned my back on it for 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 now. This dream that had come to me playing for TFC, playing for my home. And um, so that year was tough. I was just trying to find a way in. And finally, uh, at the end of the year, I I, I messaged uh, the academy coach at the time, Danny Dickey. I messaged him myself. I said, I said, listen, you know, I know you've seen me play. You know if I'm good enough or not, or at least for a trial. All I ask is for a trial. I don't want you to put me on the team. Give me a trial. Give me a chance. Yeah, of course, blah, blah, blah. No problem. Come out to the next training. In those two weeks, man, I was, I was, like laser focused, like, just I knew this was it, and so I made my mark. And he goes, okay, yeah, I'll come back next year, and just being aware now, I came back and knowing that you know there was a new coach at TFC. They brought in a new coach that winter, and I said, being aware, you know, this is this is my chance. This is where, this is where opportunities are born. You know, when there's a new coach, now it's fresh, it's fresh eyes and you know, he, there's no bias or anything. And that's the perfect way to make a, to make a, you know, to make a, a how do you say, it, uh, an impression. Right. And so I got to train with the first team for a week. Coach liked me. He said, no, nah, this kid's coming to preseason with us. I we went to preseason, man, and used that, you know, that fighting spirit that I got, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from from growing up and then, you know, being aware of, what's my role on the field now how am i gonna how am i gonna play good to make a good enough impression but also not you know overstep my limit and right. so that was important for me and i found that balance and you know got a couple goals in preseason and i was signed right there and you know it was it was hard and i i, I but i pushed from me pushing and pushing i, I got myself there and uh, like I said, it was something definitely earned, not not given at all. How important was that oh. moment of destressy for you? Probably the most important of my life. I,
0: so I'm curious to know how you handled that, and I want you to teach other people what you basically did with it. Was it a point where, like, let's be real for a sec. I think this is something that a lot of people try to BS their way through. It wasn't all smiles mm. and glory, correct?
1: No, oh, correct.
0: It was a hard friggin' time with what you had to do. It wasn't something that was like these rocky cinematic movies where it's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to do my thing and blah, blah, blah. And then all of it works out. Um, I'm, I'm assuming there were feelings of uncertainty. I'm, fi- I'm going to assume there were times of almost regret because you left a place that you had at least somewhat security in Uruguay with, with what you had to do. Um, and now you're at mm. a point where you're almost, I'm not going to say you're shamed, but you're almost at a point, man, where you're, you're being forced to answer the friggin' bell. And if you don't, yeah. like oh, so shit on his own career if that's the case. So, like, mm-hmm. take us back to that man. How how did you get through that part? Like, fuck, tell us about where your head was at with all that.
1: So that whole year when I uh, when I first came back and trusted the guy to get me at least a trial, you know, I was excited, blah blah. I thought you know this is gonna happen for me, and it didn't happen. I, I kid you not The world Came falling on me It felt like Like mm-hmm. everything just fell And uh, You know The the door on Uruguay closed And of course You know You get Feelings of regret Of regret um, I started doubting myself I, I had uh, At the time Then re- Shortly after I started really feeling uh, I was dealing with an injury Patellar tendonitis So, um, so All thing these too. things All these things All these things You know Came crashing down At once Man mm-hmm. I, I, there was a you know normal. There was a time in my life where I thought this is it. Like I'm done. Like that's it. No more. No more soccer. I got to start thinking of all these things that I got to do to pick myself up. And you don't know. And you and you seem so you know. I'm so confused and lost. And um, you know, it was a long time before I snapped out of it. And I said, okay, this feeling sucks, but I'm glad I got this feeling. Because now I know how it feels like, and I'm and I'm gonna remember it because I'm gonna never feel that again. Mm-hmm. And so, once I made that decision, it was it was little by little, just you know, building myself back up, building my confidence, building my my you know strength in my in my body again, and yeah. and then getting playing yeah. again. It was it was little steps, little little little, little steps that you know um, that you know got me to the top of the mountain. Hundred yeah. percent. At the end of the year. But uh it was just it was just little by little trying to get out of there and you know, you're trying to find little things in you know, in the day, you know, a positive thing that maybe was better than last than yesterday, you know. Like, for example, during like I I'll be honest, like I was probably feeling it wasn't diagnosed or anything, but it was depression. I was depressed. I was depressed during this time. And for me, what got me out of it was now I started thinking if I somehow my feeling is better than the other day, then I'm doing something right. It's a step up. It's a, it's progress. So every day I just try to get better mentally, um, you know, my morale, everything. And I use that. And then once I got that, once I got out of that, once I got healthy, being on the field helped me. And and then it was just being, you know, relentless in, in my pursuit and in my, in my, and in my plan to try and find a way into Toronto sea yeah head down
0: approach and you know what that's so we see that self-awareness coming up again i want to talk about that after um where you really develop that man because i know it obviously comes from a lot of you know being being tough on yourself which is a great trait to have because you obsess over what you want to do let's talk about that depression piece for a second man i know like you said it wasn't something that was clinical um Mm -hmm. i think what people need to start to realize when they're trying to do something amazing in this world and we're talking extraordinary. Like you're trying to make it to an extreme that one out of four thousand people make. That's a that's a frigging great stat. That's a 000025 percent chance to get there. Um, and you did it. I think people need to realize before they start, you know, tapping the tapping the floor and saying I'm out, I'm done. That that depression piece, not that it's something you should chronically live through by any means, but it's something that's a normal part of the process. Like, mm. you know, setback. I know we say it all the time, but Let's look at some patterns here. You know, they say you can find patterns in in people and then you find success. But Michael Jordan, same kind of setback, you know, grade ten, whenever it was, didn't make the team, found a way to Mm -hmm. fall back, and he had to figure it out going forwards. That's a huge part for what he had to do. I'm 150 percent positive that depression piece was in there in some way, shape or form. It might have been for a couple of days. It might have been for a couple of months, but it was there. even looking at yourself, like I'm sure it's the same thing we said, a couple days, couple months, but it's there. It's part of what we do. I know for myself as a business owner, when we first started this thing out and it was, you know, a forty-eight dollar a month venture, it's like, fuck, like, is this gonna work? Like, I'm supposed to have a family and kids when I'm older, and this is what I'm supposed to build it off of. That depression piece, that uncertainty, it's normal. But it takes a self-awareness mm. to fight through. So I wanna I wanna look at that part for a second, man. The self-awareness, like. How did you develop that, dude? Was it just being extremely tough on yourself? Was it that you had somebody who was able to tell you when you were doing something wrong? Is it that you had parents that didn't sugarcoat it? Was it a mix? Like, where are you at with that, man?
1: Yeah, I think it was probably a, uh, a mix of everything. A, a mix of, uh, I think, a trait that maybe I was maybe born with. Mm-hmm. Like a a gene, a gene or something maybe in my family that we have. Yeah. Or or maybe just my upbringing, seeing how my dad was. My dad was, you know, a very honest person, a very straight up, you know, straight up person. will tell will tell me when I'm good. will tell me when I'm bad. Just everything. Very truthful, um, which which helped me. Uh, My brothers that are also very, very helpful with that as well. Um, Very direct. Um, So I grew up in a in a household that was very direct. You know, we didn't we didn't sugarcoat nothing. We didn't sugarcoat nothing. You know you had to earn everything also in the house and 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 always striving to be the best your best self mm-hmm. so I think that along with being tough on yourself and wanting to you know make your family proud that that's what i think that's where I got my self awareness from and and a lot of it too is just you know i think a trait that subconsciously i just you know it's it developed in me. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, I had it. It was, it was always in me. It was yeah. very self-aware, very, very aware of everything that that's happening. And I, I was, a, I'm able to see things for what they really are, you know, and not what I want them to be. Right. Which was huge. Which was huge, I think. And and know, yeah, that's that's what's helped me, you know, get out of that depression. Because um, uh, to get out of depression, you have to you have to also uh, admit that you're in it. Mm-hmm. You have to admit that you're depressed, because yeah. when you deny that you're depressed, that's when the depression just prolongs. You know, it prolongs, yeah. and, and 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 you can't get out of it. the The second you you realize that you're in, you're you, you, you are depressed, then you can make you can move forward and say, okay, how am I gonna get out of this now? For Sure. Because if you if you deny it, if you deny you're depressed, you can never start to say that, okay, I'm gonna get out of it, because in your eyes, you're not in it. For sure. So and there's, exactly. there's even
0: two things to kind of take from that man where i we see it a lot here obviously with what we do with 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 the players we work with like number one you know this whole depression piece it's it could be whatever the hell you want to call it it could be a funk it could be a low point it could be a mental whatever block that you feel you have it's bang, mm-hmm. on, right like if you sit in your shit <laughs> it's not going to help you for long periods of time and on the second side mm-hmm. of it man it, it's being able to recognize that you need to move forward it's like when do people make a transformation to lose weight? It's when they realize that something's wrong, man. The people that are the ones that usually, you know, have later on in life complications from it are the ones that said, Well, I have a heart problem, but I'm actually fine or my diet's okay or whatever. Like mm-hmm. man, it's the people that are in friggin' denial with all this stuff. And then on the second side of things, even the straight up feedback. Like, man, you know how many kids we know? Like, and I'm not talking when I say kids, I mean like people that are like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, that are younger and they can't take fucking feedback. Like, man, feedback mm-hmm. is is by far one of the biggest things that you need to get to the next level, like high volumes of it, man. And it does take a thick skin to have. But dude, if you have people mm-hmm. sugarcoating you, like, man, look at your inner circle that you have. All of us have inner circles. If your inner circle is just telling you what the hell you want to hear, how are you leveling up? In fact, mm-hmm. I would even argue to the point that if you're always being told what you want, I mean, good luck on ever trying to innovate yourself or take your game to the next level. Like, that's a really hard environment to be in when you're always told, yeah, what you're doing is good. We've seen so many parents, for example, ruin their youth athletes because of that, right? Y'all, you're always doing it right, little guy. You're always okay. You're fine. When in reality, man, you're putting these blinders on people that they have no idea what the hell's going on in front of them. You need that feedback if you want to get to the next level. And it's, you know, I mean, you see it all the time, man. From from the players we work with, the higher you go in, in sports, the higher you go in anything to do with success, the more feedback you're going to be thrown and given right in your face and it takes a thick skin it's not like it's mm-hmm. not a child's game like it's it's hardcore but that's what they expect at the top level so i'm going to ask you this man going kind of leading off of that pressure like let's talk about it for you dude i mean it's it's i think it's safe to say and you can correct me if i'm wrong that you're a leader on the team right you're somebody that's looked to to you know push through and help other people come into the play whether it's wearing a band or not whatever you want to call it um man tell me like how is this whole mental game played into your part of being that leader, like being able to take on, having the mental bandwidth, if you will, to be able to take on the pressure and emotions that come with being a leader in a team like this, in a city like this even.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, that that comes with with going through experiences, right? Like mm-hmm. now, yeah, definitely uh, probably I'm, I'm considered as a leader on the team, one of the leaders. And, and, and um, you know, throughout the last, I guess, couple, probably the last couple of years I started, I started to really realize that, you know, the young kids coming up are, are really looking sometimes looking at me and not anybody else because Mm -hmm. they can relate to me. Yep. Right. So that's when I, that's when I knew my, my role was important on the team and it off like, you know, off of just on the field. And, and then, so that's when you start to, I start to realize, you know, I need to use my experiences and, and, um, you know the things that I've gone through in my life and career up to this point to help. Now the rest of the team stay on it every day, on it, knowing that you know we have one goal in mind, and and we're not gonna let any any anything that's anything that's happening you know outside of us distract us or affect us in a negative way, because you know we're human. You know stuff stuff happens in our personal lives and everything. You know, it, it, I think the role of a leader is that when we are at work and we're working, you try to find a way to to help others forget about those things and, and to to worry on what we're working on now and why we're working on it. And that's the why is the end goal, right? Mm-hmm. But the, the how is to to do it right here, right now, when you got to finish this work right now. Um, so, yeah, like you said, and then going back on the setbacks, I think, you know, Setbacks, you're gonna have a big setback, mm-hmm. and setbacks are always gonna happen. I think in success for anything you do, being an athlete, a businessman, whatever you want to do, you're gonna to have to go through setbacks. And and I think the greatest, the greatest people, the most successful people are the ones that you know um, get get through those setbacks and become better for it. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what you try to do with your team, right? You know, if we have a you know a training session that we don't like. Uh, you know, we we break it down and and we figure out why, and we try to get better the next day. That's you know that's that's what that's what being a leader is, and me coming in, you know, I gotta you know body language and the way you talk to people, all those things matter now as a leader. All those things matter, and that was a big learning curve for me. And 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 once I committed myself to learning that part, it, it's made me a better person, man. Not only a better player, but even that makes me more grateful than anything, a better person.
0: For sure, man. And you know what, I think that's a big one that people got to see too, right? It's like that connection between on and off fields. It's so relevant, man. Like, dude, if you have a shit looking face when, you know, you make a mistake in your personal life, that's 100% going to transfer over to your game. And it's it's something that I don't think a lot of people realize because we've talked about it before, right? With your body language, how it affects your mind and all that kind of stuff. And it's like. Dude, like especially if you're a leader, that, magnus, that that magnifying glass is so much more on you all the time. Like you've always got it beaten down. And it's it truly is a skill that you've got to train with that um, to make sure that you have it kind of locked in and you're doing the right things. Otherwise, you know, your one shoulder check can give away an entire way that you're feeling to your team. And when people are looking at you because they relate to you, like you said, or you're the guy that's wearing the armband that night by chance or whatever it might be. Man, that mm-hmm. gives away everything. And like if your leader's cracking and then you realize they are everybody else around you usually starts doing the same thing, right? Like monkey see, monkey do is the most it's the most true thing when you're looking at your leadership team. Right. And it's it's how it kind of flows. And even going from that, man, I'm, I'm curious to know, too, like you said something really interesting at the start of all this, dude, going through COVID and all that stuff, um, you created your own. You said you created your own scenarios pretty much in your head, right? Um, Tell me, man, like that must be something that you do too when we're talking about leading your team where you're able to create those scenarios or or visualize something or envision it happening. What role does that play in your performance, man, when you are doing things? Because it's obviously something that you've, you've found a way to really master in on, right?
1: Yeah, that, that just comes from, I think, using my past experiences again, the things that motivated me, you know, whether that it was being the best in my school or… um you know, uh, a guy badmouthing me one game, or or whatever, whatever the motivation may be, or you know, just to be make my parents proud, or to start making money, which is you know a realistic thing for some people. Um, all these all these motivations you kind of learn from, and then you 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 start to know what gets you ticking, right? Mm-hmm. So then when, when there's when you start to get all the things you want, you you kind of have to sometimes invent, you kind of invent the great thing. You know, we mentioned the last stance. the one thing that I think everybody noticed and what I, what I thought was amazing. Michael Jordan was inventing, um, rivalries, mm-hmm. you know, invent, inventing things that didn't really exist, um, with his opponents, but in his head, it did yep. during the games. And that was cool. And, I I, I think everybody kinds of like the really good players all kind of do it yep. um, in their own way. Uh, for me, it's always, you know, finding, finding the motivation. So for example, I'm going to a tournament in Orlando in uh in a month for me, it's just winning that tournament, yep. winning that tournament. Yep. That makes us the best team at that point and being the best team. That's, that's, that's my motivation. I want to be part of the best team. And so, you know, you try to, you know, we, the thing about Orlando is very easy to go down there, play the three games that matter, which are the the three group stage games that count towards league standings, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the tournament, you know, you can you know you can take it off and say you know these games don't really matter. Only one team makes it, you know, class uh, qualifies for Champions League spot. It's very easy to put your guard down. Yeah. yeah. As a leader, you gotta say no, 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 no. Fuck that. Mm-hmm. We go to win every game. I don't care if it's a friendly. I don't care. If, you know, we're we're playing for something here. We're actually playing for something here. We don't got to invent, and so you know you use those kind of things. Uh, the game against Montreal, you you use oh the, the fact that you know Montreal, we hate Montreal. You use right. that, you know. I'm just trying to get like examples. You try for to sure. make examples. You know, uh, Jordan was really good at uh, creating them. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me, I think I, I I like to find. I like to find the motivation. There's always a motivation there. It's sure. not not fake real you just gotta you know find it and make it make it and so for me that's that's how i do it
0: yeah man you gotta find you gotta have that ability to have fun with it like i think what a lot of people forget man and you'll be the first to test to testify to it like dude it's all about having fun still at the end of the day nobody would compete if it was like all the time it sucked it was hard it was treacherous it was terrible like man you compete because it's friggin' fun to compete you rival against montreal because it's fun to rival against montreal like it's part of the gig what the hell would we be playing for if that wasn't part of it? You know what I'm saying? And that's like, that's a really big part of it, man. Um, last pivot I want to talk about with all of this before we kind of tie this up. So anybody could see this if they watch you play. You're a player that brings a lot of emotion to your game. You're a player that likes mm-hmm. to have that, you know, that that rawness to what you do. And I really appreciate you for that. I think it's awesome. And again, it's a, it's an MJ trait. It's that mentality. Like it was a Kobe trait even. It was all of these greats play with that chip on their shoulder. You found a way to weaponize your emotions. Um, when I say that, I mean you found a way to tailor them, right? In a sense where you're able to go higher at sometimes, lower at some points. I'm not going to ask you to give away any kind of a secret sauce that you have. But just from your experience in doing that, man, how have you found different ways to tailor that emotion when you need to? Because it, it that alone is a learned trait of what you're doing mentally. That alone is a way to understand that you found a way to make something that for a lot of other players would be you know they want to cancel out of your game you're somebody that we've talked about it before bringing it out in your game is a great way to do it what do you how, how did you weaponize that man like give us some insight of it
1: yeah um that came from you know again experiences right i think in the early part of my career um i didn't know how to harness it you know i didn't know how to control my emotions? I was just very. The good thing that I was very genuine. I was yeah. very genuine. My emotions, yeah. I let them go out when they, when, whenever they came. But now, as you grow older, you you start to learn. You know, you need to you need to harness it and control it. It's very important to control your emotion, and know when to show that passion. When is the right time to show that passion? Because that's what's gonna, you know, uh, boost the team. And know when to be calm and be calm when when others would think you would be, you know, hot blood and, and, or a hot, hot headed, um, you know, those, those things make a big impact. And then I remember, you know, I remember working with you actually, um, you, you really emphasized this part for me and it's helped me a lot. Cause now it's all I think about, you know, these things, when can I, when can I show passion on the field, my aggressiveness, or when do I need to be calm and, and, you know, straight faced and straight faced at all times and, and, you know, showing that I mean business and I'm, I'm you know, nothing can let me crack. Those things too. I, what I realized when you face opponents, they see that stuff and I look for that stuff in my opponents, you know, you look for the little cracks. For sure. and so when you don't, when you, when you have a poker face and you learn to do that, you, you know, your, your, your opponent can never read you and can never, can never, uh you know, What's the word? Never feed off off that. For me, you know, being a killer, when you you see your opponent is, you know, going through a hard time and they're getting frustrated, that's when you kill them. That's when you know it's time to kill these guys. So, you know, I remember working with you and, you know, a lot of that is, you know, staying focused. And I forgot to say also during this COVID thing, Mm -hmm. working with you, what really helped was, you know, we really went into my background right Mm. and we went into into it in depth that like you know i started realizing things that motivate me that i didn't you know i didn't bring to my everyday life now i wake up in the morning and i know what gets me ticking yeah i and once i know it gets me ticking and i know what i'm fighting for today and i know what i need to do and and yo that's helped me man that's helped me so much and i think um you know the 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 emotion part is the same thing you know it's a well everything dude. is getting better and going to training and, and 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 using the best way to use those emotions to help the team
0: well man you look at it you look at it right and this was this was before the last dance came out i mean the best example was with friggin scotty pippen there was at one point in the last dance where mj went and picked him up and he said you whatever you fucking do you don't show your emotions right now Right whatever you do, mm-hmm. you don't show any way that you're breaking, and that's like that's the realest example you know, aside from you using it, but the realest example of what it means, right like that's somebody that you can easily dig into because you see they're pissed off, you can easily dig into because you see they're frustrated, and man like I think that's something not a lot of people appreciate is like if you know your opponent's down, like we're here to play a game to friggin win, we're not here to tie, we're not here to lose, we're here to win. Mm-hmm any Mm -hmm. advantage i don't care you know what level you're at if it's moral legal and ethical you do it that's how i look at Mm -hmm. everything right and it's not to say like we're gonna go in there and you know like kill and and ruin everything no what i'm saying is though man that ability when you find your opponent to have that weakness that brief weakness you have to go in on it man like we talk about it in the business world we talk about knowing when your opponents are, are losing out in the business world right but in the athletic world, it's kind of like we're supposed to be nice to everybody about that stuff. We're really not. This is when you go in on those things. This is when you find a way or make a way to use that as an advantage. And it's man, it's it's absolutely massive with that kind of thing. You know, it's you mm. have to have that. So I think that's huge, man. Okay. Well, to wrap this up quick, I want to do a speed yeah. round really quickly with you, man. Um, I just want you to tell me what you think when I say these three things, and then we'll kind of take it from there and, and talk to yeah. the next steps. But first thing man so in the speed round uruguay if you think right away when i say uruguay what do you got
1: um in one word or just explain what i think about i think about my my growth my growth as a person my biggest most important growth part of my life
0: good toronto fc
1: oh man my my life my my life's work my life's work that It's not done by any means.
0: Uh, The mental game.
1: Uh, I think my biggest asset. My biggest asset of my game, for sure. Resilience. Something Something that I had to develop in order to be where I am now. And final one, family. Oh, everything. That's... That's what I live for.
0: Amazing. So everyone, Jonathan Osario, It was an amazing podcast. We got to give a pretty quick shout out to uh Neighborhood Creative, by the way, for connecting us originally at the start of all this. Um, but I'll say, man, so we're everybody's obviously gonna be watching you now. Highlights are on you, pressure's on you. Um, this is when Oso shines and this this is how he likes it. So it's it's perfect, man. Um, but Jonathan, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on. We're definitely going to have you on another time when this season's done. I'm interested to know, I'm sure everybody's going to be interested to know how you did with this whole COVID situation and the comeback on it. Um, so man, mm-hmm. honestly, like stay locked into it. You got a massive support system. You already knew that, but um, keep killing it, brother. You're doing really well with it. And for a self-made story, I think you bring a lot of inspiration in the mission that you're on to show other people that there is a way to do this. I think you're living it every day, man. Practitioners always win, right? But... Appreciate you on, man.
1: Thank you, man. I appreciate this and looking forward to catching up again when the season's done, bro. Yeah, brother. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, my man.